you only need discipline at the start of the training which is incredibly powerful all right boys and girls we're back for another episode number three in this case and today i'm joined with none other than my main man akash barat welcome back thanks mate uh all right so i think uh, this has been a difficult book to read but quite inspiring nonetheless if i may start off pablo uh, with a quick overview of my experience on reading this and then we can kick off with some notes that we both might have to share sounds good please do okay so i think uh, uh, uh we were discussing before this call it's quite a difficult book to read uh, uh specifically because this is this is an interaction between uh a zen master sharing his advice and wisdom with a with a martial arts master swordsman right so uh, it 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 revolves the wisdom revolves around uh the martial arts but uh, we try to infer it and apply it to our modern life as we live today so uh quite difficult yet quite interesting uh hopefully we would be able to share some insights and uh, perspectives uh from the book that might be applicable to our lives today so Pablo do you want to do you want to start off with your observations and insights uh on the first part of this book Sure thing the author Taquan Soho does as a monk uh he's teaching samurai swordsmen sort of giving them a a guideline for life for battle to live the righteous uh, path and so he does this by uh, presenting a series of of essays specifically there's three different essays each essay represents a a, a different different lesson for me you know the the way i i i was able to uh understand or or um or you know able to connect with the message was through a couple different quotes that uh were you know uh, that were on the book that i thought were sort of interesting and then i thought we could kind of share here and and maybe uh talk about how we interpret them and how we can relate to them if you follow the present day world you will turn your back on the way if you would not turn your back on the way do not follow the world uh i think oh first i interpret it and this is really interesting uh when they say back on the way the way is uh in 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 japanese uh uh terminology i think it's translated it means the dao right t a o the dao is the way right and it's it meant it's meant to signify the way of life like how to live a good enlightened life i feel uh if you just keep following what's going around you and get easily swayed away by different distractions of mind you're not being enlightened you're not being you're not living a life of the tao or the dao so that's i think my interpretation of this thing what's interesting also just kind of the second part of that phrase which goes if you would not turn your back on the way do not follow the world so it's it's kind of saying you know sometimes the world is wrong right and and you have to turn your back to it in a way and 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 you kind of have to do it a little different um and obviously cars courage to, to do so sure. um but but I, that's 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 interesting right i mean you sure. it, it kind of also defies authority a little bit um and so that's that's kind of uh, important to to be sort of an observer of of what's going on and and even if uh again you're going against trend you're not following the sheep hmm. um it's important to do so 
to not deviate or stray from from you know the, the right mindedness as as they put it yeah. any other any other phrase yeah. or like uh, that that you like maybe uh that that resonated i would i would rather talk about instead of a phrase a concept uh i think one of the first concepts is that uh the wisdom of the immovable mind right uh and the idea is that he's like the mind should not stop anywhere in this day and age we are seen as a generation of distracted people right we are distracted easily we don't stop anywhere to focus and we see that as a bad thing that this this constant switching of mind on different things you know while we are working on your computer you would constantly keep switching tabs and and windows you know to different software and different programs and different browser tabs and we don't see that as a good thing but he is saying the opposite of it that stopping the mind is also not a good thing and at first this seems counterintuitive it seems like oh that can't be correct in the modern day but but then i think he goes into the details and it starts making sense when you think of it in terms of the the martial arts and just the life in general and this is a beautiful example that i want to share i think his point of not moving is the idea that you should have intuitive function like in most of the things that you do in your life whatever your craft be you might be a programmer you might be a salesperson you might be a farmer might be a librarian whatever your function may be your core function should not require thinking and this is an example which elaborates this point really well if you are fighting okay and if you put your mind on your right hand your right hand now has attention but your rest of the body does not if you put it in your legs your mm-hmm. legs and your footwork now have your mind but your hands do not he says for a, a proper functioning of a, a swordman your mind should be nowhere by only that way your mind can be everywhere i'll give one more example and then i'll i'll, I'll give it back to pablo on this concept uh, it's is the tree if you look at a, a leaf on a tree you're looking at a leaf if you look at a branch of a tree you're looking at a branch right uh, the thing is that as long as you're looking at a leaf you're not looking at the tree the only way to look at tree is not to look at anywhere in specific you know, we always think about we always relate it to ourselves and to the time context switching apps uh switching ideas and um you know we're exposed to such an explosion of of data of information that it's to kind of say hey stop and really just become of our own uh, ship uh because we're constantly looking at others right we're or our other um and so you know that that's that's definitely one worry of of uh, that we can think about um and I, i think it's it's not it's not something that is only present today but where it's definitely present in the mind uh of the buddhists back in the day um so i think it's while while it may seem like a new phenomena um i think it's it's always been there and so and so you know the technique or the the ability to to forget about or to kind of ignore and focus on 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 oneself and not on 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 the stimulus of the world has always been a challenge but a challenge to which there is 
a, a response, uh, which is sort of this idea of, of meditation and, and inner focus. Have you seen anything on the book that kind of lets us or helps us to, to kind of ignore a bit of this noise, a bit of this, you know, uh, constant flow of information that is, is not helping us make any, be any better? Do, do you see any, any uh, maybe ideas in the book that, that help us uh, navigate through this? I didn't see exactly any wisdom or advice uh, which would help us navigate uh, this incoming constant flow of information and distractions. Uh, I think it's a, it's a modern problem. <laughs> I think this problem did not exist uh, back in the day, perhaps. Might be wrong. Um, I think this this... Uh, what I understood from uh, from the point of technique and principle is that uh, he he said there are, there are two things you know uh, a swordsman's technique is important right uh, which are technical skills uh, but also uh, the principle which I understood as him referring about the mind uh, is also equally important uh, so. Like in our world right now, you run a business, you technically know accounting, fundraising, investment, cap tables, you know, uh, business development, client acquisition. Uh, and those are, those are technical things and technique is important, uh, but a technique without a mind, the principle so-called uh, is not of much help. So I think uh, as a whole, Perhaps, uh, to answer your question, uh, the principle that the book is trying to explain, and by, by you actually focusing on this principle, this book, you are devoiding yourself of the distraction. The time you spend reading this book, uh, you, were, you were taken away from all those distractions, even though you wanted it or not. Uh, I surely did. I wanted to watch Family Guy a lot. Uh, instead of reading this book. But so I think uh, it's not within the book, it's the book itself that could perhaps help with uh, kind of helping us with these distractions. Yes, I, th I think maybe what I'm getting from, from this is, you know, the, the book itself is the exercise. And the exercise is an exercise of trying to have a, a disciplined uh, mind or, um, you know, I think there's, there's, well, there's this other phrase that goes, it is the very mind itself that leads the mind astray of the mind. Do not be mindless. So, the mind itself is what we have to control, right? It's it's our, the desire to to watch passively entertainment rather than you know actively read a book that is maybe not as attractive and just not as uh, as much as watching a movie. Um, and while our 
brain would say, or the logic would say, hey, no, this is something useful for me to read. It, it, will, it will get me closer to enlightenment, right? Um, we still have this, 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 this desire to, to, you know, to, um, to, you know, to do something else. And so I think what you were referring to, or at least my interpretation of what you were telling everyone and, and myself is, um, the book itself was, it's an exercise because, because it is hard, right? Because it's, because it's something we don't want to do, but because we become a step closer uh, to dominating our mind and not letting the mind dominate us. And when I, when I talk about the mind, I talk about uh, desire, right? It's not so much the mind itself. It's, it's the desire that we have to control. Um, mm. uh, and so, and so this is why you know, we're doing this, you know, why we're doing the podcast, while we're, scheduling this sort of as an exercise right this, this is this is just like going to the gym once a week now uh, instead of the gym it's it's a book and and, and now we're, we're 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 presenting this book uh to make sure that we actually read it right but but i can see there's this just a lot of confusion and, and frustration and understanding what's going on and 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 i think that's just a reflection of of the problem which is you know it's everyone's trying to figure things out you know everyone's going through sort of a, a journey of, of figuring it out but i guess you know i mean the, the the easiest analogy is like exercise right or or eating well right it's like you know you, ha you know it's good for you to do it to eat well and and to exercise um sometimes you do it sometimes you don't maybe maybe you don't do it for for a long time um you know you're not consistent with it and so it's like so the the, the main message is you have to to build that consistency or that discipline. And, and, and I think it, it talks a lot about recognizing that problem is, is what I would say is the book is doing. It's just recognizing the, the, the fact that there's desire and that it, it fights against what you should really do, what, what you really want to do, because like the book says, right, everyone wants to be enlightened. And so uh, I think the struggle, the journey and building, building discipline is the end goal, right? It's building it. It's not achieving discipline because it's this constant uh development right so i you know and i'm curious to to kind of you know you being from from india obviously or having a background from india like what can you tell me about this this whole concept of enlightenment like i mean it, it seems this kind of matrix-like thing where you know you achieve this perfection how can we relate it to kind of our day-to-day -day for for non- religious thinking you know for just you know striving to be better striving to, to to have a better business a better life what can you share or 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 maybe like teach me about about that i'll answer that real quick asking an indian about uh what he thinks of enlightenment is like asking an argentinian what he thinks about the day of the dead which is practiced in mexico uh, there's as much connection of an Indian to an enlightenment as it is for an Argentinian or a Chilean to a day of the dead. <laughs> it's far from anywhere near uh, India. Uh, it's practiced actually really close to China in Tibet. Uh, Buddhism actually has no, no, Buddhism uh, did not come down from beyond Nepal. So Nepal and up, upwards, even in India on the like super northern part of India, there are like two or three towns which are big in within Himalayas, next to Tibet, 
which are big in uh, on Buddhism, but there is not much trickling down uh, below that. I would, though, I would, I would, I would comment something on what you said about the discipline of the mind. Okay, that's that's one way to answer by avoiding. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, you know, I truly respect that, and and, I, and obviously, you know, I'm. I, you know, I, I understand, you know, you know, when, uh, you know, when I'm asked questions, maybe like very culturally or stereotypical about my culture, it's like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't even want to attack that question because it's like, how, how do I approach it? Like, it's, it's not even interesting in a way. And, it, and it's like, it kind of reduces you to, to that. And, and obviously that's not what you want to do or I don't want, you know, people to ask me either. Uh, but but it's, but again, but it's also like it's also very intriguing and interesting. It's like oh, there's finally someone who's sort of from there can maybe en- enlighten me in, in in anything that my, my I might not know. Um, uh, so, but you know, not not to say that. I mean, I, I, that's just a comment on on my question itself. Yeah, uh, I, I know of, of that the reaction that I would also get, and and very aptly you you, you related to to another example. Uh, so. But that's very interesting, and I think that's definitely something a topic we could have. This could be a whole other other podcast, sort of just like you know this this cultural expectation of of each you know nationality and and mm. uh, and that's, there could be so much said about that. But that's completely that's an aside. So, but no, I just wanted to make a note on that. But just kind of yeah. recognize your, your 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 comment. But but yes, please please comment on on the the mind aspect. The discipline. Yeah, you said that the mind should be disciplined, right? Um, you know, I think uh, our our friend Sean uh, uh, was remembered a lot in one of the part of the book uh, pertaining to discipline. So, quick backstory for everyone or anyone who might be listening to this. Um, so, Sean uh, recently moved to Korea, and uh, he is a big believer that he does not want to have a TV in the house. And I believe that one should have a television in the house so that after a work uh, or on a weekends, if you want to watch Netflix or just, you know, relax, uh, TV is a great medium for that. And he, his belief was that uh, if you spend time, if you have a TV, it's easy to kind of turn it on and start watching and spend hours before even you realizing it. And I think that's, a lack of discipline, right? That's, that's a lack of discipline. And this, this is beautifully explained in the book by this example of a cat. Might be brutal for some people, but bear with me. Uh, so they give an example that if a cat eats a sparrow or catches a sparrow, uh, to punish the cat, you would tie the cat to a string. So now the cat cannot move at all. So imagine a mind, you know, the cat is a metaphor for mind, a mind that cannot move at all. A mind now, which is connected to the string, which is being held back by the string, cannot watch TV anymore or cannot go to Instagram anymore, right? And they say that uh, this this is only good. Discipline is only effective in the beginning, right? You only need discipline at the start of the training, which is incredibly powerful. And this makes the picture beautiful that you are right when you are meditating, you need discipline to bring your attention back to your breath 
in the beginning. Once you are trained, you don't need that. And your mind is nowhere, right? And this kind of just makes the first point quite accurate. When you are, uh, when you are, when the cat is connected to the string, it is not eating or catching the sparrow, but a free cat, a real, that's a discipline training, right? Connecting with a string or tying it up with a string. A free cat, a, a, a trained cat is the one that is free to go around everywhere, even next to a sparrow, but will not catch a sparrow. And the, to do that, to not catch a sparrow is not an effort. It's just there. It's natural. There's no discipline required for that. You know, uh, it's a trained cat. And I think similarly, uh, if we don't want to watch TV, you know, not having TV is like connecting your mind to a string. So it cannot move. It cannot move freely anymore. Uh, hmm. I think the true discipline is that it is so innate to, your, to yourself that even though you have all the distraction of the world you can say no, and you will not do it. Just the way a cat would not catch a sparrow, you would not be distracted. There is no need for discipline. You only need discipline when you start training. Hmm. Yeah, I uh, I was thinking, well, maybe maybe it, the, the, the whole concept of not having the TV around is, is sort of this idea of uh, just removing temptation um, and, and, uh, but what you're saying is, no, I mean, if, if you, if you have the right mind and you have the right discipline, there's no longer temptation, right? Yeah. Um, but I think while that is true and, and I think, and, and, you know, as you were speaking about it, I was thinking, well, yeah, that would be ideal. I, you know, I was picturing, picturing myself in this temptation ridden place, right? Where I have everything. You know, I have, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, just like the, the, the highest temptation possible, right? From, you know, I don't know, like drugs, uh, amazing, you know, non-healthy food, like chocolates and ice cream, uh, huge VR, you know, experience. I don't know, just like everything that would be tempting maybe for someone um, to have readily available. I feel like that's, that would be like the ultimate kind of temptation. Um, and so, yes, I guess if you are super disciplined, then none of that would matter. And, and I think that is important though. Right. I mean, uh, I, but I think that's, that's something that is achieved when you're, you know, closer to this kind of, you know, uh, sort of perfect situation where you're not tempted. Right. Because, because the world will have temptations, right. You can't, uh, you know, you'll walk through a, you know, uh, or you'll go to someone's place, they'll have a huge TV and you, you'll spend all your, your day watching TV, right? Even if it's not in your house, right? I so think... so temptation will be out there. But I guess the, 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 the way I'm, the, my concern is, well, for, for people that are, are, are you know, want to get having a healthier lifestyle or, or they're, they're just, or they're struggling to, to, to have a consistency in their routine. Well, you know, I think in their case, and I, I include myself there, you know, we're all always in, 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 in different stages uh, in, in different things. And I would say, hey, you know what, maybe you should remove temptation. It's like, it's like, you know, if you go to the supermarket and only buy junk food and bring it back home, that's what you'll eat. Uh, but if you only bring back 
healthy food, well, most likely, you know, uh, I mean, the alternative is starving, right? So you'll eat great food. So, so I think for, for, for the beginner, I think temptation removal is, is important. But as you become, uh, you know, more disciplined, like, like you say, it will no longer matter whether you'll have temptation around you because you will have mastered your mind. I, I think I back to differ uh, significantly to what you just mentioned, to the nuances of what you just stated. And uh, I would like to have your permission to go ahead and put my counterclaim on this. I, you know, I, I'm loving it. And, and I think it's only making this whole podcast richer. Uh, we need to uh, argue a bit more. And I think this is great. Okay. So okay. let's, let's kind of fight out like these, 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 these complex ideas and and, uh, mm -hmm. and yes, um, let's do it. I'm open. So I think you said that you know temptations would be everywhere. Uh, you need to be disciplined to avoid them. If you don't have it at home, you will go at your friend's place. You will have a TV there. You will have temptations there. Uh, I would say the very fact. Uh, now again, this is not me. Please don't confuse this ideas with my ideas. I'm just the bearer of the message or the interpreter of the message, you know. Uh, but mm -hmm. I think the idea is that if you see temptation, you are not disciplined, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. If you, just the way, by you say that, oh, I am, I want to live a healthy life, you are not living a healthy life, you know, and you are not going to live a healthy life. Because when you say that I have temptations, you know, you're putting your mind on that temptations, right? You are being acknowledging that. Uh, and a mind that is, is at any place on your hand or on your TV is not good. The mind should be nowhere. And I feel a better explanation of this mind being nowhere concept because you can, you can say, oh, I want to eat healthy food. You are now, your mind is unhealthy, unhealthy, right? you have the concept of unhealthy. You have the concept of temptation. If you feel that, oh, you know, this thing is a temptation, it is a temptation in your mind. And by saying no or forcing yourself to not indulge in that is like tying yourself with a string like the cat was connected to a string, right? And that's not good. You should not find it tempting. That's the key. You should not find the temptation tempting enough. Uh, and I think there's, a, there's an amazing game. I think the game of Go, the Chinese Go, uh, has probably a really good significance on this, of mind being nowhere. The amount of permutation and combination on Go is really high. Uh, I can't even say the number right now, that high. Uh, and if you ask a Go player, the expert Go player, that why he or she made a specific move. They just can't explain why. They are mm -hmm. unable to explain the reasoning behind their move, but they know that it is the right move to make. And they make a move of one piece, but not thinking of that one piece, but thinking of their whole game. On their mind is not that, oh, this piece is interesting. I need to be disciplined with this piece. Their mind is all over the game or nowhere in specific inside the game. And I think one of the challenges that we are facing in this interaction right now is due to the lack of the, the language, 
which is also touched by the author in the book a little bit. You know, you take a person who has never experienced ice cold, you know, or fire, mm-hmm. and you try and explain by mere words what a fire is. How hard would that be to explain fire in just the words? That person has not seen. You can't show a picture. You are sitting in a forest and you just have to explain the person what the fire is. How difficult would that be? And he would probably never grasp the concept of being hot connected to the fire, right? Or the cold connected to the ice. Uh, And I think a concept which we don't have a language for, vocabulary for, uh, just becomes extremely alien for us to understand. if I may quickly refer to one more example on the subject of like, why is it so hard for me also? And, and why the book was so difficult is because these concepts are extremely alien to us. And, mm. uh, and, and this example is from a book by Nassim Taleb, one of my favorite author of all time. Um, he says, what's the opposite of fragile? What is fragile? Fragile is something that breaks quickly with some randomness, with slight stress, anything that's fragile would break, right? By breaking, Mm -hmm. we mean it loses its value. When we are asked to people that what is opposite of fragile, every time people would say robust, you know, something that's strong, unbreakable, Mm -hmm. right? The reality is that we say that and we believe that because we do not have a word called anti-fragile. We don't have a word for that. If fragile is something that on a slight randomness or rough handling can lose its value, the opposite of fragile should be something that would gain value with handling a little bit randomness or stress, right? Mm. But because we don't have the vocabulary for this, it's really hard to explain that or even to understand that. Similarly, I think if temptations or desires or distractions uh, by act if you have those in your mind, you are already distracted. It's, 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 then the only thing you can do is chain your mind uh, to a pole so it cannot wander around. But the real discipline uh, or the real mindfulness uh, or immovable mind, as the author says it, would be the one that is free to go anywhere but does not find anything tempting. I don't know if that is good or not, but I think that's the message, that you should not find anything tempting in the first place. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to, um, on one hand, I, I, I see two type, two, two ways of thinking about temptation and discipline. Uh, on, I guess, you know, one way is, okay, you know, um if there's temptation i will be tempted and you know i just can't control it and and in order to build discipline you know initially you know i have to abstain from from being around temptation so maybe like having a bad set of friends right you don't want to be around bad influence um so that's kind of one way i know i think that was kind of my initial thinking right that i was kind of sharing and then you're 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 saying, well, you know, it, it's about how you see temptation or or how you don't even see it anymore, right? 
it's um, you know once you've achieved discipline temptation it's no longer a thing it's it's it's, it's nothing it's, it doesn't exist like uh, it's no longer uh, a desire so a TV is this it's just a black box that it's taking up space um, and I, and I think that's that's definitely the right approach and 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 I even for the new you know the the novice the uh, whoever's trying to start up and to build discipline is it's maybe it's just a mindset change and I think that's what I'm interpreting from from your your way of seeing it is if you just set your mind to think that it is not a temptation, then it will not be a temptation. Um, and, and, and I think that's just kind of a very different, kind of a revolutionary approach to, to building discipline. Because again, everyone's trying to build it. Let's assume that nobody has achieved it yet, or, or at least not a 100%. Uh, but what you're saying is it's so unique because we're saying, look, I'm at 10% discipline, but if I change my mindset about temptation, I can already become disciplined just by, by thinking about it, just by, by, by ignoring, just by changing the, the way I look at temptation, right? And that's very powerful. And I think that could be a, the right approach, um, you know, uh, but the, at the very least, it requires a strong mind, right? It's telling yourself, I'm in control, not letting your, your desires be in control of your mind, but your mind over your desires. And once that happens, there are no longer desires. Although, you know, there is a phrase which I want to get your, your take on, because I, I think it might talk about this a little bit, but I, I'm not really sure. And so very, so it's just one quote. It just says, not departing from desire, but realizing a desireless right-mindedness. This is the way. So again, not departing from desire, but realizing a desireless right-mindedness. This is the way. Is this, is that... Is that talking about what we're talking about? I, I'm not sure. I mean, it's saying. I think. Uh, from desire. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, no, I think I think that that statement actually outlines this idea that uh, uh, being being desireless, right? Uh, and I think to to add to this, I feel the question we should ask. So whenever we we find ourselves, uh, you know. To make this actionable a little bit, right? Uh, it's easy to say, oh, if you have temptations, uh, uh, it's not good because you know you have the temptation. But how do you take action into it? People have temptation. I have temptations, right? Uh, mm -hmm. And if we have desires, I think to to make it more actionable, the the wisdom shared is uh, we should not look at how can we not get access to this desire, right? If I desire ice cream, how can I stop myself from having ice cream by locking the door of my room, right? Or how can I restrict my desire to watch YouTube by not buying a television? I think the, the question that we should ask ourselves 
perhaps is that how can I not have the desire to watch it? How can I have not desire to, I don't have desire to eat ice cream. Um, so I think it's being desireless is what we are, we should strive to achieve uh, instead of trying to restrict or devoid ourselves of the desire. Uh, and it's hard, you know, and I think uh, there is another quote in the book, which was, uh, to me was really, really interesting, is that uh, uh, the quote goes like this, a half-baked martial art is the foundation of great injury. Uh, and I think, which makes me think in, in uh, the martial art being uh, a metaphor for for uh, enlightened life or just a, a good life, you know, uh, a righteousness life or right-minded life. Uh, you don't go from zero to one, uh, or do you? I don't know, you know, but I think, uh, is that a transition process where you want to, you want to go towards an ideal life and you want to make the transition slowly and gradually. But across the book, there is a strong sentiment of black and white. You either have it or you don't, right? Uh, Which makes me think, I know I don't have it right now. So will I never have it? All this effort is futile? Or is that a transition where I can get there with time? Hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's somewhat funny, right? To say like, it's on, I mean, it's off and then it's on, right? It's just a switch, right? And, and, and it, I mean, it's more likely to say it's black and or white. Um, but yeah, I think that's what, what I might be saying. And, and it's, it's sort of, a, you know, it's, it's sort of like epiphanies, right? <laughs> that's what it is. It's you, you just somehow realize something very quickly at the very moment at some very quick moment that you know that you all of a sudden changes your mind you know uh 180 uh and, and so uh yeah maybe that's 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 what it is a set of epiphanies that people have in these kind of crazy spiritual quick ways and, and you know i think you know, I think some experiences in life can really give you that, right? Maybe like a really tough or, or, or a sudden, let's say a sudden loss of, of whatever, you know? Yeah. That could kind of give you a a reality, I, wanna, I don't want to say check, but like, you know, just it's a sudden, it's a strike. It, it just kind of strikes you in the back of your head and, and, and kind of wakes you up and and just gives you that perspective, right? That you need. Um, but uh, but but yeah, maybe. But but in a way, it's like, well, is that realistic? And or, or at least is that? Uh, I mean, that is realistic. But is that something that happens every day? No. I mean, we don't we don't suffer big, you know, defeats from which we learn every single day. Think about the the reason this book was written, and and in which context. You know, we're, we're talking about a monk who was trying to give guidelines to swordmen, basically people who were at the battlefield every day and who would probably, you know, die at our, basically our, you know, our, uh, our age at the moment, right? You know, we're around 30 and that was probably when people were, were, were dying. And so, you know, 
they would probably be learning lessons every single day in their case because everything was so risky. Maybe their, their families would die because of famine, disease. Um, they would die or lose limbs constantly. I mean, maybe they had just, you know, sure, they had a shorter lifespan, but they probably had more lessons than we did um, on, on a more frequent basis. So, so you know, maybe maybe the, the, they didn't really need a process. You know, they didn't need time like, like us lucky, you know, uh, people of the, our era can can have right we, again you know we have way more free time and we have way more time to to not be exposed to danger right because sure. we don't have to go find food we don't have to fight for it you know borders are sort of defined i mean sure of course there's there's definitely countries in this world that are, are, are going through a lot of crap um but historically you know there has been a better time i mean there hasn't been less war um um and so, so that, that that's where it falls short, right? I mean, obviously, it's it's from the 17th century, um, and, and I think that's kind of one of the, the hardest things uh, in our world uh, is again how to develop discipline when you're not exposed to struggle on a day to day basis. You know, when you have so much um, so much of a safety net, either from your parents. Uh, from the fact that you know food is no longer an issue, you know there's so much safety around us that it's not allowing us to to learn uh, from pain, and and so and so that's what's becoming really hard for us to. Uh, I mean, because of this context, it's, it's becoming harder, perhaps, to become disciplined, and uh, and I think that's an interesting idea. No, I think uh, you're right. Uh, it's it's a lot of things don't apply uh, to our lives as it would in the previous days. I try to find meaning. I try to see in a philosophical level, how does it apply to our lives right now? And, and I think the type of wars have changed. The type of struggles have changed. You know, We don't no longer fight for the same thing. We no longer fear the same thing. But still, there are, there are things that we can... Uh, put these things to practice. I I think other than this, I found one idea really interesting uh, towards the end of the book was about the form. Uh, when he discusses being in a dream, it was quite interesting. The idea he shared was about the form. I think it was, I, I didn't know how it connected to the swordsman, you know, but uh, the idea shared was uh, if, when you dream, right? Everything that has a form has a nature, right? So even if it's an insect, it has a form, it has a nature, and we can't assume that they don't feel pain, right? Uh, so that's the kind of a largest kind of stance that he's taking. But then he talks about uh, this idea that, okay, if you're in a dream and you are interacting with people, you have feelings, you have emotions, everything that has a form has a nature. And just because we can't see a form, uh, we we feel like they don't have a nature. And uh, to... To elaborate on that quote that you just shared, he, if a tree is cut down, we think, oh, a tree does not feel pain. Uh, and it's the same way as you mentioned that when a, when a fire sees the water, it thinks, oh, water cannot feel pain, you know. Uh, and the water sees fire and does not understand or comprehend the nature of that uh, different being, different sentient being. Uh, and connect that to the dream, he's like, in the dream, you interact with things and you 
have people, you have feelings, you do things, uh, and they have a form in the dream. But when you come out, you know it was a dream. It does not exist. But when you are in the dream, it is as if you are there. It's real. There is no way to differentiate it, the dream from being real or not. When you are in the dream, it is as real as it is when you are not. So I think it, that definitely made me question. Uh, might be super naive, but it made me question. You know, uh, uh, and when when you are in the dream, you feel the touch. You feel everything that you would in real life. You do go through all the desires and struggles as you would in real life. So it made me think: if we are in Matrix and we just feel that we are sleeping, we feel that we are hanging out with friends. You know, we feel where we are eating, but in reality, we are not. We don't have a form. Does it cease to exist? It's just a just a profound thing, you know, to kind of think about. You know. Uh... Yeah, that's that's a great point. You know, I, you know, because you you'd say, what are you experience in the dream? It's just as real as what you experience when you're awake. Let's call it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then the question is, you know, it would be, or or the the critique would be, well, you know, being awake is what's real, right? Is it because we are able to employ? Is it because we spend most of our time being awake? Is it because it's a longer, yeah, it's just kind of a longer experience? Maybe we spend a lot of times. Maybe we spend a lot of time in the dream, and we think the same thing. You know, are you listening to this podcast on a dream, and you're gonna wake up in some time? Hmm. Your alarm would go on. Perhaps it is. Yeah, it's just like uh, uh, you know, it just makes you think that it really is something on the mind that needs to be controlled. If you know, the mind creates all the experience, and to recreate experiences uh, when you're uh, awake and when you're sleeping, and so and so, it's all there, right? All the power is there, and so if you're able to control that mind, then you're able to. Um, to really lead a more fulfilling uh, existence. And I think that's what we all aim uh, to do. That being said, um, you know, I think that's been a, a very philosoph- philosophical uh, sort of podcast, which I enjoyed. I hope everyone enjoyed as well. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, but I think that's about it for us today. And we will surely be back on next week uh with another book another book that we'll be commenting some insights on um and uh you know we'll be back for more sounds great it's been fun it's been fun thank you so much everyone thank you akash we will see you next week peace